0: Heather McDaniel from Fangrafts.com and on the other line, noted hot dog-adjacent SpawnCon enthusiast, it's Eric Longenhagen. Hello! People have said it about you for years, but we're we're just finally getting it on the record. Um, SpawnCon? Yeah, SpawnCon. You don't know sponsored content, bro?
1: Oh, I thought you meant Spawn, like the, uh, what is it, the Todd McFarlane comic book character Spawn?
0: I mean, if they have a convention for that, I guess you would go to SpawnCon. Well, they probably would. It seems like the kind of thing they would. Haven't podcasted in a while. Guess, apologies? I don't know. We're back.
1: We are realizing that this is travel and game watching stuff, like, is not conducive to podcasting regularity.
0: We had a Fangraphs, I guess it's a retreat. Is there, like, a formal term for it?
1: I guess you could call it that, yeah.
0: Yeah, we had a retreat, and it was where Eric lives, and we went to some games, and then I spent, like, a week in Texas, uh, and then I just got back, and since I didn't travel with a microphone, and... We have prioritized writing words and making plans for world domination, Uh, so we took a little bit of a break, uh, but we're back, and we have uh, a couple plans for, like, other podcasts that I think will come right after this, including one, March Madness Inspired, one that'll probably be coming next week. So, you know, I think we're making up for it, but also, like, you know, this is free, so deal with it, people. So let's, like, run through what we've been doing the last few weeks, uh, so if people that aren't, like, you know, meticulously following our Twitters don't know what we're up to, uh, talk a little bit about like some of the games we went to and what happened in Phoenix, and then I'll like pick up with uh, what I did in Texas.
1: Sure. Yeah, we went to uh, some spring training stuff in Texas. We we did some some college games. Uh, we did ASU and Xavier. I think was the most significant thing for the two of us uh, that weekend. Right. Like we did a big league game. We saw some Texas and Rockies prospects. We did uh, the Grand Canyon Illinois game which had some relevant prospects. But really the the thing that sticks out for me is that ASU game because of Xavier Wrighty, Connor Grams. Is it Grams or Grammas?
0: I've heard both. I'm going to go Grams until someone corrects me.
1: Okay. Uh, who was very wild at times, like almost unusably so. Uh, and then at others was like 94, 98, touch and nine with some, I thought 70 grade sliders. Like they, Some of them were really, really good. Uh, and it's kind of hard to know what you do with this guy. It's like a two way guy. Um, so if he focuses on pitching and pro ball, I suppose there's a chance that the, the strike throwing comes along a little bit or just an ability to work more efficiently. He's, he's a two pitch relief prospect realistically anyway. So the command doesn't have to really, uh, get all that much better, but it was just, his stuff was really, really good. Uh, in a way that uh, took me by surprise, and then we saw Hunter Bishop, who continues to mash. He had another two homers in the midweek game uh, this week, so
0: and keeps moving uh, up the board. He's at 15 now.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, that's pretty appropriate.
0: Yeah, he's uh, like uh, sort of bullied his way into that like top group of a, like a ton of college hitters. Like we had like Rutschman and Vaughn were off on their own at the beginning, and they're still there. And then that next tier of like Stott. And Bush and Misner and Bleday and Young and now Wilson have kind of emerged as that second tier. And now it seems like Bishop has basically like hit his way into that area as Langoliers and Davidson and Greg Jones have sort of, you know, scooted down a little bit. Right. Uh, yeah, so that that was that. I ran off to Texas and I did, let's see if I can remember it all. I did a Bobby Witt uh, inter-squad scrimmage in the Ranger Stadium on Monday Uh, I did Matthew Thompson, high school righty that I think we have about 50th on the board on Tuesday. I drove all the way from Houston to Biloxi to see uh, Maurice Hampton play Jerry and Ely on Wednesday. Then I drove all the way back to get Josh Wolfe, a pop-up Houston area high school righty, and then doubled it up with Jackson Rutledge, a, I guess, likely first-round JC arm uh, on Thursday. Then Friday, I went to go see an uh, Austin uh, high school team has Jimmy Lewis, who looks like he'll go on the first day, and Brett Batty, who might be the best high school bat, but he's a big dude and he's going to be almost 20 on draft day. Uh, and then Saturday, I went to go see Shea Galiers in his third game back from a broken handmate. And then on Sunday, I saw Josh Young uh, back in Austin again against Texas. And then I rushed to the airport to come home, and then I got Daniel Espino last night, and I'm about to go to LSU Georgia tonight. So it's been a nice run of like picking dudes up, and there's uh, yeah. still a couple more, like Nassim Nunez in Atlanta that I'll probably go get soon. And wrote today about some pop-up guys, a kid named Brett Thomas that popped up that looks like he'll probably go second or third round now that's throwing 95 with a plus curveball in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, we're just uh, I guess we're into the swing of things as far as... Pop-up dudes popping up and then, you know, knocking guys off the list and kind of getting a feel for, oh, it's been a couple weeks of not performing and now scouts are saying he's not performing and so let's move that guy down. And, you know, and there's plenty of, I think, as we've uh, noticed in our sort of behind-the-scenes conversations, there's now plenty of stuff we can't report. Like, oh, this guy's makeup bad or this is this guy's agent or this guy's signability is this or we think this guy's not motivated or you know all kinds of like little rumors that you know may not end up being accurate but you like sort of keeping track of where things going and I think now we're at the stage where like last night there was a team that had a VP and a director into to see Espino who seems to be dropping but obviously that team uh, tends to fit their type and they had a pretty nice showing there of having three three guys and two very high ranking guys there and I think now we're in the stage of draft season where we can start paying attention to that sort of stuff
1: yeah and while you were in Texas, I've been focused mostly on minor league spring training stuff here in Arizona. Which is, uh, which
0: is showing up in the, in the board and the uh, right continuing right the slash wrapping up of lists.
1: Right. And that has been mostly East Valley clubs for me. Uh, obviously, Texas and Oakland and Seattle and the teams that have come out recently are the teams that I've been targeting throughout the spring. Uh, so, yeah, it's great. It's starting to warm up here. Everything is in bloom, like the air smells a, a new way. Hopefully the actual spring training traffic will abet here at some point and the minor leaguers will just be around and it'll be a little bit quieter for the last week of minor league spring training before uh, everyone breaks camp. And it's, uh, I don't know, the it's been interesting to mix in the fresh looks with the data, especially this year as that stuff comes in because, you know, the, a lot of the... The data has impacted where we've lined up guys before, because even on the backfields, like you can look over someone's shoulder and and see the TrackMan readings. Yesterday on the A's backfield, uh, whoever was running the TrackMan laptop was just shouting velo extension and spin rate to the pitching coaches every after every pitch. So, like you you pick up you listen to that stuff and it impacts the way you think about guys, even though you don't have access to. All of the data, but like as we did Houston's list, uh, for example, like it change it changes the way you look at guys if you can if you see what the spin is like it changes the way um, you look at a team like Chicago who we've got coming up you know if you can just if you can see the minor league velocity charts for a guy each of the last three years and see oh gee like a lot of these White Sox pitchers have lost a couple ticks on all of their fastballs over the last two years. Um, It impacts the way you think about the system. And so it's been, you know, the way we updated how we do things this year with all of the extra data that goes on the board, uh, I think has sort of impacted the process in reverse in a way.
0: And I think that also uh, transitions well into some of the stuff that we did on the retreat. Like, as you guys could probably guess that with, Craig's research and then us having uh, the list completing soon that there will be a dynamic farm ranking of some kind where you can kind of see where every team is. And then technically, whenever we update a ranking or a guy gets traded or a draft pick signs or whatever, like those things will change. And we can kind of tell you like, oh, in the last month, like Seattle's gone from 25th to 18th signing these or adding these seven players and whatever format, which, you know, doesn't seem like an earth shattering development. Like it seems like an incremental thing, but mm-hmm. like no, nobody, nobody else can do that. And so we're going to do that. Um, well, and, they could do it, I guess. Well yeah, they could do it. At nobody is doing it. Do, nobody <laughs> is doing it. Yeah. We're not like geniuses. We're just the ones doing it.
1: Um, uh, yeah, like, it'll I'm so excited to just like we could set an over under right now, but I, I suppose it would take a brief moment of uh calculation that wouldn't be great for the air, but like I want to know how much the D backs add on draft day. Like I'm so well, excited I, to see. I already
0: approximated it. Did you see it? I put it in the issue. Oh that's right, you example. did, yeah, yeah. So currently we have the D-backs, uh, at, I mean, this is an estimation because the list isn't finalized. We've met 306 million, and I've estimated their draft picks to be worth about 75 to 80 million. And so if you Which just... Which would move them... Yeah, so Which if you then them. take the 75 to 80 and add it, that would take them from currently 14th all the way to 8th. Yeah. Which is, you Over know, three to three kind of period. interesting. No, no yeah, one's ever push. had that answer before. Or if they did, they'd have to, like, you know, back of the napkin, like, approximate it and... You know, you could argue that these numbers aren't, like, exactly correct, but, like, if everything's off a little bit, they all it all kind of cancels out in the aggregate, and so that's about as close as you're going to get to an answer. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I, I would I also say we, uh,
0: we plan on adding uh, bonuses to the board, and then also we have a whole suite of bonus-related research and things like that that are going to be coming, and college stats, and presumably uh, amateur player pages, and... Uh, all kinds of backward-looking things, whether it's on how teams have performed in certain ways or how we have performed uh, and the sort of, like, you know, variance our rankings have and all the sorts of things that I think will improve, uh, you know, effectively making a draft model uh, and holding ourselves accountable in the way that teams are held accountable while also holding the teams accountable. <laughs> like, hey, this team hasn't been very good at drafting lately. Here's exactly how bad they've been, which, you know, they might not like to hear, but at some point if you're going to do some, you know... um consumer facing type thing, like running a baseball team's department. Like at some point there's going to be a little bit of judgment. If you did a terrible job. Yeah. <laughs> that's inevitable. Yeah, like was, Somebody's going to do one, it.
1: Maybe one day there will be uh, a ringer mini series of posts about us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> here's here, a cache of, of, internal communications from Eric and Kylie have been unearthed. And here's, we can now quantify all of their biases.
1: Yeah. Jeez, that's... Eric listens to Nikki Glaser's podcast and talks about it a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah no, i'm not sure i want like all of my private behavior becoming public but like I, I don't think most of it would be surprising to people but you know some of it are want out there
1: right yeah like the terrible country music someone listens to or like any of that stuff
0: the, yeah the the amount of protein bars i bring on trips with me like I, I mean the staff knows but i don't want everyone
1: to know yeah no not everyone should know uh, I mean, as we record this we're basically on the you know approaching the eve of the big league season uh, and so we should probably talk a little bit about that because like as much as we love minor league spring training and going to junior college games in Texas, like this is not what it is on everyone's mind.
0: Yeah, it turns out there were not a lot of tickets sold to that San Jacinto versus Galveston junior college game. It was mostly scouts.
1: So I suppose uh, if we have a way of talking about a handful of teams that uh, we find interesting, it would be through some sort of uh, game. We do like to draft things. Uh, in general, it is just a topic of conversation that comes up when like, when we're thinking about we're sitting around drinking at like Fangraphs events and talking about movies or music or whatever, uh, that we end up sort of lining things up and making prep lists and, and drafting things. And so we thought we'd, uh, since we seek to monetize as much of our lives as is possible, uh, that we would bring that to the podcast. And so I think today... We're going to use the projected wins and loss records of the big league teams and draft teams that we think the projections are most wrong about. Uh, and how, how did you want to do it? Did you want to do one where we uh, pick teams that we think will do better than the projected and under? Or do we just want to do either or and it doesn't matter? Like It's just the absolute value of either difference and we just total everything up.
0: I feel like I mean what what I thought, and I guess what I technically prepared for would be two two that I think go up and two that I think go down. So we could have like a four team draft on two different topics. On both,
1: okay, that's fine. Let's do that.
0: And also, if you want to, if we want to walk back to your vignette about uh, us talking about ranking stuff at a um, at a Fangraphs drinking event, let me try to reenact that for you. Ready? Here we go. Mm -hmm. We should rank more stuff. Sorry, that that came off a bit more Eno than I think was uh was necessary, but you get the idea.
1: I think Eno has probably said that to us at some point.
0: Uh, fantasy draft. Here we
1: go. Uh okay, so do you want to just do you want to go back and forth or should we snake it? Like if you pick first, you also pick fourth for, for yeah one. How
0: about how about you go first and fourth on the overachievers? So who, who okay. You got?
1: I'm gonna take Tampa Bay at one.
0: Alright, they they were on my list.
1: Okay. I oh, just think, pick. I mean, they're projected on the site at 84 wins. Uh, they won 90 games last year. I think they have, the team is young enough that I think there's going to be growth, right? Brent Honeywell is back. Jose DeLeon may contribute at some point. Uh, so there's there's more depth in the pitching staff. I think Colin Poche helps out this year. Like, they're, I know Chris Archer's not around, but I think that the growth of the young players, Glass now, Adamus uh brandon Lau, like it's it's a pretty long list of guys who could contribute or take a leap this year uh, so i like them to do better than 84 wins even in that division
0: Well, and since i'm about to make my two picks i'll reveal what some of my sort of thoughts were uh strategy wise okay. uh i would say the things i looked for were one teams that have unusually good management and so like the team will improve throughout the year as you know mm-hmm. a bunch of players get worse so they get injured and they're going to go find ways to get better that also goes hand in hand with teams that are trying to compete this year they're going to tend to add talent and teams that are trying to tank are going to tend to lose talent so the projection doesn't know that uh the other thing would be that teams that have an inordinate amount of depth that is hard to capture in uh in this so like having you know quality depth of a guy that is a four star quality that's going to start either in the bullpen or in the minors he's going to have such little playing time it won't be captured as much um and so like you know teams like tampa who have like you know, have had 40-man issues for a while, the Yankees or the Dodgers have so much depth that I don't think it's properly factored into it if you're using more of, like, a variance-based thing. Like, hey, if what if everyone gets hurt? They're going to get hurt less by that than teams that don't have appropriate depth. Um, So along the... And then also trying to stay away from teams that are already projected to win a bunch of games because it's hard to overachieve at that point. So I had Tampa, for those reasons, uh, on my list, but they were not one of my top two because they're in a really hard division. And so if they just, you know, get hit a little bit and have some underperformances by younger players that get plugged in. uh, They're going to be playing like essentially three playoff teams often, uh, which scared me off a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go with my two picks will be the Brewers and the Angels, uh, who I both think are looking to contend this year, have enough ammunition to make trades, are projected. Let's see, the Brewers at 83, the Angels at Mm -hmm. 82. So they're both low enough that they have some room to appreciate. And I think both teams are sort of run pretty well and have pretty good depth. Um, so that if guys get hurt, they already have um, some some guys on hand that can kind of fill in that maybe are not being captured by war uh, in such a way. And also, I think the Brewers are probably about to lose Corey Knebel and then add Craig Kimbrell. If I had to read the tea leaves, it seems like that's about where that's going to head. Um, and so that also seems to tip that they're going to um, you know, be trying to contend. And also, they, I guess they announced their rotation recently, and it's Shasin and Davies, two veterans, and then Woodruff, yep. Burns, and Peralta, which the negatives for those guys would be at least Burns and Woodruff, may have an innings cap based on what they pitched last year. We got Jimmy Nelson and Chase Anderson and potentially like a midseason addition, like a Wade Miley type that's going to come in. So it's like that's the weak point, but there's a lot of depth there. And they've proven in the playoffs that they're not scared to like have a bunch of guys go three innings. And so having a bunch of quality pitchers with, you know, Javi Guerra getting thrown in the bullpen that can obviously come back as Anderson also can. And then Nelson's going to be coming later. Um, I just, I I don't know. I think that's going to add up pretty well. And then the Angels also, I think they're just in a spot where they're um have a lot of quality players they have enough ammunition to make a trade i think they're going to try to contend uh i don't think that division is particularly fantastic um and yeah i just i don't know it just feels like a team i'd like to bet on so
1: but yeah the brewers were number 2 on my list for the reasons you outlined uh the growth potential of the young starters is uh a huge part of that i you know obviously just think that it's a very talented team uh, even though I'm not sure Ryan Braun does again what he did last year, but there's probably enough depth anyway to to deal with that if that's the case. Um, he did have a very strong second half, but um but I'm, I'm just I think there's gonna be decline there eventually, and they just have they they have the pieces to fill in uh, though, and yeah, eighty and eighty two is a pretty low projection, probably, just based on the difficulty of that division, uh, the angels were not initially on my list um, although i do I see how you might think that given that we're not i think we're both kind of skeptical of oakland's rotation, especially now that Lazardo has started to have shoulder stuff um, and that we could see Anaheim passing them, especially as as Anaheim has Griffin canning and Jose Suarez and a bunch of other young pitching that could remedy the problem that they've just had the last several years dealing with injury. Like now there is actual pitching depth that has come up through the system and is like ready to help contribute. So I understand. Uh, My last one is going to be Chicago, the White Sox. They are the, what you mentioned before about like a team being motivated to add. They're the team that is, in my opinion, motivated to add for uh, reasons of like self, the front offices, self-interest basically, uh, who is the lowest on the projected wins total. They're, they're at a projected 70 wins. And yet you can see, you know, uh, Eloy's contract extension probably means he's up all year. It just seems like a front office that wants to start to put a competitive product on the field. You could see them start to do that, uh, this year. Like, uh, I think just to, just because, you know, some, I expect cease might get a look this year. The Dane Dunning injury doesn't help. Uh, the, the Kopec injury doesn't help, but, um, some of the other stuff I think will start to arrive, and I do think that they are motivated to to add at some point. Like They just have to start performing at some point. Uh, and then the team who is, I anticipated the White Sox might go and the D-backs were the, uh, the next team that I had considered. Uh, they're projected at 79 wins. I know losing Goldie and Patrick Corbin and A.J. Pollock is a lot, but healthy Jake Lamb comes back. The They were snake-bitten pitch, pitching-wise last year as well. And similar to the Angels, Duplantier is just about ready. Taylor Widener, Taylor Clark, both guys who I think we could see uh, in the big leagues. I forget what Taiwan Walker's timeline is like, but that will probably happen too, right? Um, so yeah, like they've got guys coming back uh, from injury as well. And I, I think that 79 and 83 for them is is kind of close to where, where I think it, it'll be eventually. Um I kind of anticipated when I opened this page to see them down with like the Rangers, basically in this like seventy-one territory, uh, and I was gonna, I was considering taking them earlier than this.
0: What, what if they uh, find a taker for Granky's contract?
1: You know, I think you and I know that they that that teams have discussed Granky with Arizona, um, but his relationship with the organization seems to be pretty strong. Like the fact that he is out, I know this is kind of like wishy-washy, I guess, but like the fact that he is out at college games in February with Tory Lovello and the staff to like see players. I don't know. Like this, it seems like there's a close interpersonal relationship there between Granky and at least certain other aspects of the organization, um, which seems weird to say, but there is evidence of it i you know in my opinion so i don't know if they're as motivated to move him like i kind of think they like him uh so be the
0: first person to say that
1: (laughs) yeah but i know someone's got to uh yeah he's
0: not as unlikable as i made it sound it's just you always hear that whenever you talk to somebody about grinky you hear like do i like him or do i not within the first like 60 seconds right
1: he's strange there are definitely weird stories that are not super flattering but like that's for you and I, we're both like weird and can be dickish, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you there are people that if you find them be like, oh that guy? No thanks. Uh,
1: Alright, so I've got Tampa and the White Sox, and you've got Milwaukee and Anaheim. And then I will uh,
0: real quick the other teams that were on my board. Uh I think Philly is in a position to go for it. And so okay. I think they're sort of turning sure. the corner in terms of like big league coaching and development, um, and they have some depth. So I think they could be interesting. I like the Dodgers just because, for the reasons I said before, they have so much depth and they have sort of smart management that I think they can, you know, be, I mean, they're projected for 92 wins, but I think they can probably beat that by a couple games. And the last one would be Minnesota, who has, like, completely remade their big league coaching staff, and they have a lot of younger players that have some growth potential, and so I think they have a pretty good chance to outshoot it. I think they're all sort of, you know, a couple games over, like, pretty pretty good vibes on them, but not the top of my list.
1: I still have concerns about the Philly defense. Um, I know you know Kingery played out of position most of last year, but it's not as if Gene Segura is a very good defensive shortstop. Um, and I don't think Harper was as bad as the defensive metrics indicated last year. Like consistently, I don't think he'll be that bad. But I also don't think he's like a a positive net positive right fielder or anything like that. Yeah, and they got Duke uh, in center, who's not very good. I'm not sure what to think of Doobie because he is at times like one of my favorite players to watch. And then at others, he's so frustrating. Um, He's always something though. I'll give him that. And then, yeah, like losing Carlos Santana at first base, I feel like hurts too. Like he's a seven or eight glove at first. He's got, you know, elite defensive hands as a first baseman and he's gone. So, uh, so yeah, I still have some, there's still some skepticism with me and Philly, but yeah, they added the best catcher in baseball. They added Bryce Harper. They added Gene Segura is not a great defensive shortstop, but he's got a seven bat at shortstop. So, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Franco has come into camp looking pretty svelte. So who knows what's going to happen there. Also, how Uh, dare you
0: indirectly demean internet favorite Reese Hoskins by saying that they're going to miss Carlos Santana?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Reese Hoskins was a terrible defensive left fielder who, like, he belongs at first base, but he's not as good defensively as Santana at first base.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to act like you didn't say that so that we don't have to deal with the the, the fallout. Uh, All right, so picking the teams to underperform, uh, I guess I get to pick first this time, and I feel – I'm going to guess number one on both of our lists will be Baltimore. (laughs) Because, like, they're supposed to be bad, but, like, I think they want to be even worse than that. Like, it just seems to fit – I don't ever want to accuse a team of trying to lose, but they are incentivized to do it more than any other team right now.
1: But I suppose, yeah, if you were going to factor front office methodology into it, that yeah, like what we saw Houston do, would it would make sense that Baltimore does something similar? So yes, I agree, they were on my list.
0: Like the pitching's uh, not good; it's not, not deep. Uh, they're going to be playing a lot of position players that are pretty young. They just got rid of Alcides Escobar to play Martin Jackson. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of guys that have some potential but not like six or seven potential. And so like, they could be a five or a four. And if they're all fours, they don't have anyone better. And I don't think they're motivated to go get anyone better. Um, and I think they might be that team. That's like sort of churning through waivers and, you know, trading international money and getting a lot of like uh, fringe guys and letting them play. And like they're, you know, they're positive is that for a minor league deal, they're a very attractive team because you'll get to play. And for waivers, they can use roster spots mm-hmm. for those sorts of guys. And so they'll be doing productive things for what they're trying to do. But right, they that will is not have short-term a... winning is not the thing they're trying to do right now. It's like the third or fourth thing on the list.
1: Who just sort of like, and I know that it's kind of ironic, but like, who will be the couple of guys who emerge from this just morass of Baltimore weirdo experimental stuff the way Dallas Keichel and JD Martinez sort of emerged from nothingness into super relevance just by virtue of the fact that they got a chance to play a lot in Houston. I guess like Marwin Gonzalez is on that list of guys too. Like if you were to pull up the the Orioles board.
0: Yeah I'm not sure if there is one currently on the big league team, but if there is one, I would say it's Austin Hayes. Or I guess it's on the depth charts. I don't think he's gonna break with the team. But that would be the guy that I think has enough potential that hadn't been tapped into that they, if, if they're going to tap into someone's potential that's currently in the organization, aside from the guys that have been injured all the time, where they have to kind of be healthy first, um, I would say that's the number one guy for me. Because I think some of the other guys that are candidates like DJ Stewart or Cedric Mullins or Mancini, I think they just kind of are what they are. I'm not sure they're going to get that much better.
1: I would point to, I guess the pitching staff will probably benefit from more sentient pitch design. Um, <laughs> it's alive. <laughs> Perhaps Dylan Bundy is that guy. Uh, perhaps yeah. Michael Givens is that guy. Although he probably already should have been dealt. I think both of those guys would get traded if they're really good. <laughs> That's the other yeah. part is even if oh, they're good, they're not
0: going to be there. Uh,
1: and then as far as like long-term growth types, um, Lowther for sure. Yeah, Zach Lowther for sure is like the guy who uh, could grow into something really special. Now that the focus, you know, of his development is probably a little. Sharper. I could see like um, McKenna
0: and a Marwin role, Dean Kramer and like a Davinsky role. Um, yeah, that's right. McKenna
1: has played some infield in the past. That's true. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah. And DL hall's the guy that, like, maybe, you know, not Forrest Whitley level, but the guy that goes from pretty good to really good. I mean, he's already made that jump in some ways. Um, where do you have him? Let's see. Where is he? Well, now it seems like I'm setting it up 69th on the top 100. <laughs>
1: No, I think it was fast enough that people know that that wasn't premeditated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it was. It was on topic. I'm not like, let's go to the White Sox list and see where they got some guys.
1: So yeah, Baltimore probably going to be terrible, but I still think it's going to be super interesting. If for no other reason than just to kind of watch, you know, the birth of this thing that I would expect to look an awful lot like what Houston has done, which you know has has been has worked. So, all right, uh, who are
0: your two picks? Oh, that's right. I have to make picks.
1: Hold on, I have to go back to the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I still haven't decided who my fourth team is
1: yet. I've got two that I'm looking at, and I guess potentially you could pick both of them. All right, uh, my first pick is going to be Cincinnati. Okay. I know they've added a lot, and I am excited about them. And I do find the NL Central to be the most uh, interesting division. It doesn't seem baseball. like they're trying to win now, though. Right, I know, I know, but um, I just I still have questions about the depth of the pitching staff. I don't know how much Matt Kemp is going to give them. I think in that ballpark, the chance that he gives them something is, is pretty good. Don't, Uh, don't
0: count on him to be like a two and a half win guy. Like I would not see that coming.
1: Yeah. Um, the fact that it seems like Senzel is going to start the year in the minors instead of just playing center field every day is kind of bothersome to me because it seems like you need every marginal win in this division that you can uh, earn for yourself and if you think he's the best guy then he should just be playing out there right now. Like if you really are trying to compete and I know that you want the extra year of control, like it makes total sense, but if you have pushed some chips in to do it this year, then just then just, you know, just play him from the beginning. I like Scott Shebler for what he is and I think he is a valuable like big league role player as a left-handed hitting outfielder with like huge power. Um, but I would just be playing Senzel every day if I thought he were the best guy. Uh, and then, like I said, the, the pitching depth stuff, like I just don't trust Sonny Gray stays healthy. And I was concerned about the way Luis Castillo backpedaled last year and Tyler Molly hasn't quite been, uh, what I thought he was going to be. And he, that was even just like a 50, um, but, you know, the acquisitions do do things like push Sal Romano to the bullpen. Like that makes the bullpen better. Adding Tanner Roark and Sonny Gray, which just it – just, it also makes your bullpen better because now Sal Romano is in there where he probably belongs. Um, so like stuff like that I think is positive and uh, – but I just have questions about the depth. I think people are getting a little too, a little too excited too fast about the pieces that they've added because there's still not a whole lot of margin for error.
0: And who's your next pick?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold on. I have to go back to the standings again. I should realize that I can open uh, different tabs. Uh, Oh, and the Reds were projected at 80 and 82, the same as the Brewers in the projections. Um, Yeah, I guess Oakland. Oakland is projected at 84 and 78. The Lazardo shoulder stuff bothers me because I really did think that he would be up and contributing to a good team this year. Um, and then, yeah, like with Mike fires and, uh, Marco Estrada as two of your better pitchers and their left field situation is kind of bizarre. Cause like Nick Martini, what he did last year, I don't expect him to do again. And I do think Robbie Grossman is an interesting contributor, um, from like an on base perspective, but like, Breto and Fowler are both kind of volatile because they're very aggressive hitters. I'm not sure how much they're going to help right away. I don't expect Jerks and Profar to repeat what he did last year. And the Fagley and Hundley catching situation is not uh, – I don't think that's great. So um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I like Oakland. I think it's an interesting group. But they are – what did I say they were projected at? 84 wins? Yeah, I don't think uh, – like they and the Angels I think will flip – and I think the Mariners might not be as bad as people think, too. So I'm kind of a little bit down on Oakland.
0: Yep, they were on my list. And I was going back and forth uh, between the Tigers and the Royals because I think they both fall into the not necessarily trying to win this year. And I'm going to go with the Tigers because I think there's a little less starting pitching depth. That I think Boyd and Norris are their two like you know pretty solid starters. I could see Jordan Zimmerman not being great. I could see more Tyson Ross not being great. If Ross is good, he'll be traded. Uh, the bullpen is it's okay. Like Green and Jimenez are fine. It's pretty generic after that. And in the lineup, you don't have a lot of holes. But like, I'm not convinced Jacoby Jones should be an everyday guy. Like their DH is listed as John Hicks, which is a little surprising. Um, if Castellanos is good, I think they trade him. Kristen Stewart's playing, I guess, left, left by field. our death charts, but he should probably be DHing. Um, And then they have Josh Harrison and Jordy Mercer up the middle, who I think also might fall into the, if they're good, they might get traded situation. And Miguel Cabrera is just going to play and I'm not convinced he's good. And Grayson Griner is their catcher. And I don't know, it just feels like a lot of not great guys without a lot of depth. The farm system, most of the guys near the top of the rankings that are, you know, can contribute in the short term. I mean, you have Casey Mize might show up, uh, but like Deskerman isn't going to be an impact guy this year. Isaac Paredes won't be Manning, won't be Franklin Perez, could be late in the year. Like I don't think there's a lot of help coming, and I don't think there's a ton of depth, and I don't think they're motivated to try to win. Um, and they might be. I mean, I, in general, if you're telling me to take the over/under, and I can, you know, pick the two teams that I think might be a little bit more motivated than usual to get the number one pick, um, that's probably where I'm going to go.
1: Yeah, I suppose the Michael Form, Form that. Yeah, former. <laughs> you You know what I was trying to say. The, the he's probably their stuff him and there. Mize
0: are probably their two cornerstone guys, and they both but are but obviously. Fulmer's...
1: I don't know, dude. Like, he's hurt. He well, I mean, like, they're two, way down.
0: They're, they're two sort of, like, best long-term assets as mm-hmm. of a couple months ago <laughs> were two pitchers, one who's already had medical problems, one who now is, like, hurt and out for a while, and they were both pitchers to begin with. Um, So it's like, I, you know, in, in the same way that I think I, I covered in the chat this week that the White Sox, like, sort of rebuild. like, they did a lot of things that we would have done in terms of, like, picking or trading for guys that we like. Maybe half of them fell into the bucket of guys we like and half of them don't, which is fine. And it just hasn't gone very well. Like Moncada hasn't developed, and you know, even like a magical guy that we really liked didn't have a great debut. And they had uh, a couple got uh, Adolfo got hit with a TJ as a hitter, and Dunning, and then Hanson and Birdie both got hurt and weren't as good. And You know, Rutherford, just like a lot of guys that Rodon hasn't developed, Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Moncada, just like a lot of guys haven't developed. And I'm sure some of it is like, you know, not great development and some of it's just bad luck and some of it's injuries that nobody could have stopped and, you know, that sort of thing. But like when a rebuild starts going in the wrong direction like that, um, there's usually some reason for it. And I feel like the Tigers are in that spot where, like I said, like their big assets are two pitchers that seem a little high than average injury risk. And now one of them just got hurt. I'm just like, ah, I think that might be, uh, we'll see you guys next year um, after, you know, they get off to a bad first half, which yeah. I'm not saying they want to lose, but it might start going on that road where they're just not necessarily going to be, they will be in the position the Orioles are where they're like, ah, let's get some guys and give them a chance to play and see if we can find some assets for next year, which is, would be suitable if they were in that spot.
1: They were not on my list just because of how low the win projection is already. And um, also like at some point we're going to have to start seeing some of these Bullpen prospects in their mid 20s. Like at some point, re- the Tigers should realize, and I think they will, that guys like Gregory Soto are going to be best suited for them as trade assets in the future. And so, like, we have to start seeing Spencer Turnbull and Gregory Soto and like Eduardo Jimenez and all these guys who it's like they're just relievers, but they might net something at some point. Like, they're relievers who a couple years from now, if they've got two years of big league. Uh, service time and they're they've pitched well. Like then they're good relievers with four years of control. Like that gets something for D- Detroit that helps the next time they're actually competitive. Like I don't think how old is Gregory Soto? He's born in '95, so he's 24. And he's an interesting bullpen lefty prospect, but he's not going to be part of the next good Tigers team. So like they should try to flip him into something, and I think doing that means like maybe this bullpen is sneaky good. Uh, this year as they start to push some of these guys and they're a little bit better in close games and you know, what are they projected at, 60, 63 wins? Like, that's not... Uh, so they were just not on my initial list because of that.
0: I think, yeah, I think one more factor that is not folded into this is when a team gets into sort of, like, give-up mode that there can just be, like, they lose 15 in a row. Like, I think it, it's not like the Phillies were in give-up mode last year, but, like, things just sort of, you know, went in a bad way for them and then it was clear they weren't going to make the playoffs and so then winning and losing didn't seem to matter and then it's just real easy to, like you know, throw in the towel when you go down 5 nothing in the first, whereas contending teams. Like, it's it's obviously not a statistical thing. You, I mean, maybe you could prove that teams that are losing lose at an even higher rate at the very end of the year because they're playing young players or whatever. It just mm-hmm. feels like there's a, there's a little bit of value in, like, the teams that are going to be at the very bottom, just sort of the bottom falling out at the end. But that's me just playing a gut feel. Yeah. I've got, I've got no evidence. All right, well, that's about as long as this podcast should be. I think we had okay. some, some pretty solid topics. I think it was a good job by you.
1: Good job by you uh so yeah to listeners welcome back to the uh i guess should be on a t-shirt you should email bill simmons Simmons. good job by you like just one word and phonetically good job by you just a a a picture that would sell
0: yeah just like a picture of an italian guy saying it
1: do they still say that to each other i haven't listened to to like any of those podcasts in a long time oh yeah they they definitely do okay i guess uh, apologies
0: to the listeners for the mini hiatus after season two began but uh, now we're back, and uh, I think we'll be posting more regularly, including the most ambitious crossover event in podcast history next week. <laughs> okay, sure, we have time <laughs> for that. We all of us have time for that. That's so what I'm saying. Next week, we don't have time right now, but like next week, we might. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So for you know, for Eric Long and Hagen, I'm Kylie McDaniel. This has been the Entitled McDaniel Project, and we will see you again next week.